Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the one you've all been waiting for, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, is going to join us on this edition of Drive Time. We'll talk about coach's vision for these Miami Dolphins, about meet and greet with players and staff, his phone call with quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, and of course, it wouldn't be drive time if we did not get into the X's and O's with Mike McDaniel. All of that and more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Let's go ahead and jump right into my interview with the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, and I am joined today by the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel. Coach, welcome in. Thank you. Glad to be here. Happy to have you in. So day one is in the books now. You've mm-hmm. completed your first day here in South Florida. Initial impressions. Have you met the staff and the players? And just kind of walk us through how your first day went. Oh, it's, there's been a lot of energy. It's been... Um, very much enjoyable. There, you're sitting there just eager to meet the people that you know you're about to spend um, your foreseeable future with. And so it, you, you got to pace yourself. You got to breathe and tell yourself to slow down. Um, but having some of the players come through um, has been awesome. Really meeting the people and the environment and the, the excitement um, has been invigorating. So it's been pushing me through. When I'm tired, I just walk in the hallway, see somebody's energetic face, and keep it moving. Well, I appreciate you coming all the way to the East Coast and kind of hitting it all rapid speed and getting out here fast. And, you know, this is the next part of your football journey. And I was reading a little bit about you before you came in here and, and that you rode your bike to Denver Broncos training camp as a kid. But I wanted to ask you, when did football really first capture your imagination? Do you have a specific moment you can go back to and say, that's when I knew football was my path? It's a good question. I'm going through the files right now, and uh, <laughs> I think... There, it's one or two. I can remember sitting on on my floor in in a house, looking at Topps 1985 um, cards and, and and looking at Mark Duper um, and Mark Clayton, and um, I didn't have a Dan Marino because that would have been worth something. Um, but then some Bronco players. I was a Bronco fan when I, I was in Denver, um, and that that was an impactful moment. Or I think my first NFL game might have been 1987. You have to check the facts, but I was like in the nosebleeds. And the story my mom tells me is that we were, uh, the Broncos were getting, they were either blowing out or getting blown out. Regardless, it wasn't a close game. It was kind of cold and I made her stay until the very last snap of the fourth quarter. And that's when she said, you're a football psychopath. That's the side of a true fan, yeah. staying the whole whole four quarters. That's good to hear. So now you're here with the Dolphins and you're taking over the program here. When you when a team comes in here to play the Dolphins in South Florida on the road or otherwise, what do you want them to, to think, this is the first thing I have to take away from a Mike McDaniel-led Miami Dolphins team. What's the, the one thing you want teams to know about when they play the Dolphins? They have to match our energy. I think it's a big deal um, that that is a lot of times overlooked when you have a collective group of players playing at a different energy level. 
and it's something that you have to practice that you don't get the week of. It's something that has to be ingrained in, in your DNA, and it's something that you should really, um, you really have to earn together to be able to play at a speed. And regardless, regardless if it's run, pass, we're in a three by one, two by two, two back, we're in 22 personnel, they're gonna feel us come off the ball and have to defend the entire field um, from the first snap to the last. So that energy idea matches well with early season weather down here. I don't know if you've ever played a game in South Florida or coached yeah. a game in South Florida. Got yeah. experience with that? My first NFL game was, it was in 2005, my first regular season game. I was with the Denver Broncos playing in Miami and we got lapped. I know the we game well. <laughs> we were down to like, we had safeties playing corners and we were gutted, had no no chance it was like over in the early third quarter. So yes, I've felt it heavily um, and know what kind of a competitive advantage it can be. Jason Taylor had an 87-yard fumble return for a touchdown in that game. I remember that game really well. Now you're just stat flexing. A little bit. I mean, that was a big one for us, a big yeah. blowout victory over a team that was supposed to beat us that day, so that was a fun one. But huh. sorry it wasn't the same for you on the Too other, other sideline. I apologize. So <laughs> there's a great clip on social media right now with all the content we had earlier this week in your mm -hmm. hiring with you talking to Tua Tungavailoa on the airplane. I wanted to ask you about that clip and just how it was to kind of meet him through the phone. Um, it was it was fun. It was choppy. The uh, the Wi-Fi experience was kind of weird, but it, no, it was really cool to feel his energy. It didn't matter um, that sometimes he I, we're breaking in and out. Um, he was just excited to talk to me, and that excited me. I was excited to talk to him. You know, it's something that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, you know, waiting for the powers that be to um, decide we're going in this direction. And they did, and we're all excited about it. And I couldn't be happier to um, work for this franchise, for an incredible owner, and work alongside a credible GM and all of it. And I think he could feel that energy, and it was obvious on his face and his tone of voice. Is that what you're most excited about working with him, his energy? Um, no, I'm excited about a, a, a player that wants to get better. And point blank, it's a, in the coaching player relationship, both parties have to participate and you can only get out of a player what they're willing to put in, you know, and, and so I'm excited for him to, to he's, I can tell he's really going to attack it. He, he's a, a player that has an internal chip on his shoulder and, um, but we have a lot of work to do and that will be a really fun day when we first get to get on the field. But first and foremost, we have to get him, uh, we have to get a staff to coach him and then, some players to, or some plays to study, and a playbook to, to, to study so that he can study some film and, and get to that point, which we're all excited about. Yeah, and your quarterback's going to be obviously the conduit for the offense or on the field for your offense. And, you know, talking about two and, and just earlier you mentioned three by one, two by two, kind of some of the offensive designs there. What, is, what does it look like for you in terms of when you go to design a play? How does that process kind of work for putting together a play for Mike McDaniel? Hmm. Well, that was a cool question. I've never got that one before. Um, and the long and short of it is uh, I look at offensive plays as, as problem-solving solutions. So I don't really sit there and think, okay, what can be cool? I look at the, okay, what is the defense? What defense do they play? What issues do they have? Um, where are they vulnerable? And how to attack it? And then you think back to the library, what are they 
What are they defending? How do they want to f- defend you? What have they been practicing? And all of those things formulate, okay, well, let's, let's do this one play that you could do any number of ways, but let's take the tight end and motion them from left to right. Or let's start in the backfield because we have another play that plays off of that. All of it is finding solutions um, that the defense presents. Um, and then, okay, well, what ways can we take advantage of our offensive personnel? Um, hey, Waddle's pretty, really, really, really fast. Um, let's line him up over here and make him defend something deep and then run the ball behind it. Things like that. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think Dolphins fans are going to love to hear that. So obviously you have an extensive history of coaching offense in this league as offensive coordinator, receivers, running backs, the whole gamut, as you well know. How does that? How does leading an offensive room or a receiver's room, running back's room, eventually an offensive room, prepared you to take over an entire football team and be a head coach of the Miami Dolphins? I think sometimes people can overcomplicate coaching. And what's, what's very comforting to me is being coaching a receiver and being a receiver coach wasn't that different than coaching an offensive group. Because what you're doing is you are establishing a connection with players and saying, hey, here, I'm going to prove to you how um, I'm going to get you better. And if they buy what you're selling, they listen to it and they apply it. And that relationship that, that where, hey, player, you're depending on me. It doesn't matter what position I'm coaching. It, 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 as long as you are talking to them and um, really engaging their mind and they learn, they can establish, hey, you know what? Whatever he's saying, if I listen to it, man, that's going to make me better. They will do anything for you. And when you're talking to a team, guess what? As an offensive coach, if, if you do know what you're doing, you have to know defense. The, it's impossible to be able to coach offense without knowing defense and vice versa. So those, those types of things for players, all they want to do is get better. You know, they, they just they want to play their best. So you establish that you can make them better, and hey, they'll do whatever for you. So kind of on that same train of thought about the defense, you inherit a defense that has a lot of production and a lot of players that have caused that production from the last previous couple of years returning to this team. How do you maintain that defensive performance we saw the last couple of years here in Miami? Well, there's... I've heard this early in my career, and I, and I think it's very true. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You don't stay the same. So I think that hunger um, that they've, they've had here is very important. But you, you don't stop where you left off. You continue to grow. And that's all I see from um, the, the people in the building and the players that I've talked to is they're not saying, hey, that was cool to um, – be a pretty good defense. No, we want to win football games. Well, if we have to be the very best defense in the league to do it, let's do that. If we can be marginally worse, but the offense can be a lot better, let's do that. It doesn't matter. It's just a team sport. We're focused on the team getting better and the team winning football games and knowing that last year um, it's a foundation, but it doesn't mean anything moving forward. Absolutely. And one one area of... I suppose more modern day football, maybe further back than people realize, but in all three phases of the game, analytics have really taken on their new role in the National Football League. What's your approach to analytics and how they can benefit a coaching staff or a player, just the entire operation? Um, I, I tend to try to really focus on the numbers that are right. <laughs> no, um, 
the, it, it's a it's a very it's a very it's a useful tool, but like anything else, you can't take anything as an absolute. So you um, you take in the information, like hey, um, I understand why it's um, over time. You should probably go for it on fourth down here, but you also, um, you, my opinion, you have to be careful to do anything in absolutes, and you have to understand okay, what's the situation? What's the time of the clock? Um, how's our defense playing? What if we give the ball back? All of these factors. So it's a tool like anything else, but um, it, you use it um, with every, every other piece of information to try to make the best decision. Is there kind of a process for how you determine you know, the best way to handle certain situations in terms of late game or timeout management, clock management? Is there something that you can kind of look back to in your football life and say that's pre- prepared me for that challenge here as a head coach? No, you, um, you try not to miss a rep along the way. I've been very mindful of, you know, I, it, it's been documented. I've been pretty ambitious during my career. I, I've had being a head coach in my mind um, for a long time. And if you're serious about that, every single game, you don't, you, you don't miss a rep. So what I've tried to do is put myself in the position of the head coach for the last 15 years, um, because I, I, you'd hate to, to all of a sudden get in a situation where, like I feel unprepared. But even that's not enough because there's so many situations that happen. So you have to, um, your coaching staff has to be able to uh, acquire multiple situations. We, we've had we've had something in the past that I plan to employ called around the league, where we, weekly we take um, different situations that come up so you can review, and then in the off season you have to review. You know, it's, everything is built towards um, trying to make the best informed decision um, with all the variables that are compounding, and there's never an absolute, and you're only right if it works. And all of that has led you to coaching some of the top running games in the National Football League the last few years. I wanted to get your take on just how important and how valuable the running game is in the modern NFL and the importance of balance on offense as well. No, it's, um, I think it's extremely important uh, in terms of you can, you can really play to the strength of your team when you have a good defensive team. I think it's important to dictate the terms. Like when you're running the ball, you're taking more time off the clock. When you're taking more time off the clock, you know who doesn't have the ball? The other team. It's hard to score when you don't have the ball. So all of these things are, will always be important in football. I do think there's a competitive advantage um, as of late, where you know people, the they're, this league is cyclical. It goes in trends, and there's a lot of people that are pretty excited about throwing the ball, um, and I, I think that does give an advantage to people that try and know how to run the ball. Um, but it still means you have to be good at passing the ball as well to be a complete team. But um, in football, because you have to have the ball to score unless you turn it over, um, there will always be a competitive advantage if you can run the ball well. Yeah, just this last playoff run, we saw your 49ers take a, take a couple of top quarterbacks and keep them on the sideline with that running game. And so with that in mind, you know, you've been a part of a lot of playoff teams and coaching a lot of big games and playoff games. How do you think that experience prepares you for the possibility of coaching in big games down the line here with the Miami Dolphins? The, the more you coach in big games and playoff games because there's a different atmosphere in them, um, 
the more I just got the chills because it's it's a different atmosphere, but you become much more comfortable with it. So it feels like a regular game, and that's the key. You want to really put yourself in the position that your your heart rate's the same, your intensity is the same at all times. We, you want to practice deliberately, so you should you're trying to replicate that energy in practice. It's tough, but you try to, and then. The, Regular season playoffs, the more they're all the same, the more you're making decisions for the right reasons, which is your job to do, and the, and the more that um, the moment doesn't become too big to the point that there, there aren't really nerves when, you're, when your whole season's on the line. You're just worried about doing what's best for your team and making the best possible call uh, that, that can put your players in position to be successful, hopefully. Yeah, and a big part of that, obviously, is kind of having that message throughout your coaching staff. Can you kind of take us through the process of filling out a coaching staff and what's important to you in those in those positions and those roles? Um, this is this is a business of relationships. It's lost in a lot of it. They're in the in fantasy football and um, all that stuff. You, you you really lose sight of the fact that these are human beings that have to play together. There's eleven of them at the same time. And the objective is who can operate the best together. So within that, um, coaching staffs are extremely important in the same regard, where we, you have to have communicators, you have to have leaders, but they also have to be able to maintain relationships with these players because they are ask, they're asking the players to do something in a violent sport that if put themselves in harm's way for the sake of the team and the only way you do that uh, is by establishing relationships. So that's first and foremost. I look at for communicators, people that can establish relationships, and and good teachers. Um, and then at the end of the day, you assemble the, as many of those as you can. Um, you should be able to set your team in the right direction. Earlier, you mentioned your pursuit of being a head coach for your entire coaching career. And I don't know if you saw this earlier, but a friend of yours, Jeff Darlington from ESPN, tweeted out a resume that you sent him back in 2005 with the Denver Broncos or to get that job with the Denver Broncos mm -hmm. and you sent it to him on an Excel document. Mm -hmm. That got a lot of people talking on Twitter about the idea of putting a resume on an Excel document. What was the thought process there? Because I hate word tab functions <laughs> okay. and I was, I was trying to find an edge in the resume game <laughs> and I had like this, I thought it was pretty cool at the time, but I had like in Excel you can like um, merge all the all cells on the right hand side and then like do whatever feature that is and I had my signature and like cursive it didn't work but um I, I think I think it did I mean I could have just used word but <laughs> that that was the reason and uh it, it was a risk it was risky business because I'm not that good of a speller and Excel doesn't really have spell check or at least it didn't at the time so um but you know no guts, no glory, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have one more question for you. In the Excel you. game. It's a complete departure from what we've been talking about, but no vegetables? Yeah, not really. So what does a meal look like for you? I mean, no green vegetables. No green vegetables. I'm a potato guy. Um, meat and potatoes. Um, I kind of eat like a kid. Like <laughs> Any caloric intake is great for me, but um, uh, very big meat, chicken, uh, I was I was raised out west um, in Greeley, Colorado, which is a, a cattle is cattle country. So, uh, burgers, fries, all that 
all that jazz. We got plenty of options downstairs. Jackie, the Jack Shack, they call it here. Lots of great food options for you down there. That's all I got for you, Coach. Appreciate your time today. It was awesome. And there he goes, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. We have another great guest lined up for you this week on the podcast as well as coverage of Coach McDaniel's press conference. We'll have that coming your way here on Drive Time on MiamiDolphins.com and across all social accounts, your go-to source for all things Miami Dolphins football. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That really helps the podcast out. So if you want to support us, please go ahead and do so. Also, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team on all social platforms at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. Seth and OJ continuing doing their thing bi-weekly this offseason. And of course, our YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, media availabilities, and all that fun stuff. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy is coming home.